1: today. We're delighted to have Farzad Rashidi, co-founder of Respana. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do.
2: Sure thing. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Heather. It's a pleasure. Um, I, well, my name is Farzad, as you mentioned. I know it's a little hard to pronounce. Um, and I'm the lead innovator at Respana, which is a totally made-up position, uh, <laughs> which means I do whatever other people don't want to do. And uh, Respana is a, is a platform that allows other businesses to Build relationships with other relevant authoritative publications in their space to build backlinks and increase our organic traffic from Google.
1: Awesome. And we have a standard question we like to ask every guest because we find the answer varies a little bit each time. And as you know, some of the changes we're seeing in the workplace happen. So when it comes to the digital workspace, what does that term mean to you?
2: So, you know, I've been working remote since the beginning of my career, way before it was cool. And, uh, uh, you know, I, our entire business is run online and we do have an office here in Rockville, Maryland. It's just a 20 minute drive north of D.C. And it's just me and uh, my co-founder, Paymon, who comes in every once in a while. We do have team members in the area, but we have over 100 plus team members uh, over uh, between our two companies. And everybody's been working remote for years since before COVID. So COVID literally changed nothing for us as far as the way we do business. Um, so I would say it's, something that I, it's the only way I know how to do business. So I, I don't know how else to do business other than the digital environment. So that that's what I'm gonna put it as.
1: I'd say you're in the minority there for having done it for so long. What was it like before some of the advancements um, And, you know, more of the collaboration apps have come out. Have you seen it? And, you know, is it easier over time to work remotely? Or have you not noticed that much of a difference?
2: Well, I mean, definitely. Well, I'm not that old. So Slack was around (laughs) when I started. (laughs) Um, So definitely had some tools, obviously, to, to help us get there, you know, using um, Zoom and, and Slack way before it was mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've been around since uh, for a while now. And so yeah uh, definitely been utilizing those for quite some time. Uh, but as far as uh, collaboration goes, we sort of built the org in a way that wouldn't require, um, you know, constant meetings or face-to-face interactions. Uh, everybody sort of has their own set of goals and, and responsibilities. And so they take ownerships and sort of, uh, how, how can I put this, they don't bother anyone unless they have a question or they have to talk somewhere. Uh, people normally tend to figure things out and, and sort of, um, you know, take a holistic approach to their tasks. And that's sort of um, a at, at general, I would say, startup culture in the mm-hmm. tech space where people n- need to wear different hats and, and it's not as structured or I'd say as segmented as a lot of large organizations. So you sort of you sort of have to learn it on the job and and play along as it goes. So that that that's sort of it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can I can uh, relate to that. Um, so you mentioned link building. Our audience might not be super familiar with that term. Could you just break it down for me. You know, maybe you'd like like you'd explain it to someone's grandmother. <laughs>
2: Uh, sure. So, you know, to to understand it, I kind of have to give a little bit of context in terms of sort of SEO and content as an acquisition strategy, and we could definitely dive deep into link building uh, or however deep you would like to take it. Obviously, we only have thirty minutes today, but um, but when I started my career, I started at our parent company called Visme. Have you heard of Visme before, uh, Heather?
1: I I have. I it's not ringing a strong bell, but, but I know I've seen. I've seen it around. Yeah, probably got awesome. some LinkedIn ads, maybe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, we do actually spend very little on our paid ads. So you've probably seen mm. it organically. But as far as, uh, I, have you heard of tools like Canva? They're more mainstream. Yeah. or vit- Yeah, okay, absolutely. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You're in it probably every day. So we're, we're, we're a little bit different in a way that we're predominantly catering to businesses versus c- normal consumers, so we're predominantly cater to SME and enterprise, uh, but, but they're uh, way we sort of came about, so we're one of the first tools that uh, was created, we, uh, we were founded around the same time as some of the other tools like that you've heard of has come out, like Prezi and Campbell and whatnot. And at the time, I was the first marketing hire. So I was hired to basically build the customer acquisition strategy. You got a few different options, any business. One, go door-to-door, start selling. Build an outbound, uh, basically team, hire a bunch of STRs and AEs, and do outreach. And that makes sense if you're a consultant or sell some sort of expensive enterprise grade product. We were charging $15 a month. We're a subscription based business, um uh, you know, uh, just like any other software that you guys use on a day to day. So it just doesn't make financial sense to hire US based salespeople to go sell a $15 a month product. So that was ruled out pretty quickly. <laughs> Two is paid ads. We're a bootstrap company. Obviously, cash is always short, but Uh, main reason why paid ads wasn't really scalable for us was because there's diminishing returns. So you start running ads, it works great. You're like, okay, great, let's double the budget. You do it, doesn't double the conversions. So normally, we hit sort of a plateau. And you must say, hey, FireZone must not be very good at it. Uh, But we tried over the last decade, uh, pretty much every channel, every sort of strategy, every sort of agency you could think of. And and, and it's just never been a a moneymaker for us. It's more so been it's certain retargeting campaigns uh, types that have a positive ROI, rest them sort of plateau very quickly. So we're like, all right, we want to build a large business. How do we actually get ourselves out there without us having to chase after single co- chase after every customer? We're like, okay, well, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a potential customer. So let's say, Heather, you want to create a uh, presentation tomorrow and say you're looking for a solution to make it. What's the first thing you do when it comes to your research process? Let's say you didn't already have a solution for it. What's the process? You Google research? it. Of course. You search for exactly. it. Exactly. So we knew that from day one. One, our customers are aware of the problem we were solving. And two, they're looking for it through Google. Like, all right, what if we start showing up in places where people who are looking for a solution will come and organically find us? It's a much uh, more affordable way to uh, to acquisition than me having to keep bombarding you with ads and emails uh, and come knock on your door, right? So, like, that's great. So let's do some keyword research. Let's write some blog content and build some landing pages and, and put it on our website. And guess what happened?
1: You didn't get the traffic you were hoping to see, I would Exactly.
2: Think. It was absolutely crickets. <laughs> Sierra. The um, reason why is because we're in a very competitive industry. So uh, you know, for our, any of our terms you can think of, can you actually do me a favor? Can you open the little incognito tab in your browser and just open and just type in one of our keywords? So the f- example I went through presentation software, can you, can you type that for me, please?
1: Absolutely. I love that. This is uh, now an interactive,
2: right? I'm interviewing media. you now, Heather, <laughs> <laughs> the tables of turn.
1: feels like it's like a magic trick. I know. Right? Uh, okay. I'm going to search for link building software.
2: Right, and think of your favorite card as you're doing it. I'm just kidding. Um,
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm there.
2: So presentation software. So you see how right below the search box where you type your keyword, it says how many page results, like found X many results in like 0.1 second. How many Mm -hmm. zeros do you see? How many pages contain the the keyword presentation software? Yeah, it's about
1: 867 million. So...
2: Great. And then scroll down. What do you see like the first things? I'm assuming ads, three or four ads at the top.
1: I get one ad. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, oh. a, a sort of featured snippet. And then Vizme is the first organic result.
2: Okay. Perfect. So, in the customer, I would say, so it, it gets better. All <laughs> I'm trying to say in the stories, like uh, <laughs> I'm all talking doom and gloom. But, but basically, it's a matter of, Uh, uh, figuring out what we were doing wrong at the time, which was basically doing what everybody else was. So, hey, do some keyword research, write a piece of content, put on your website, move on to the next piece, right? And we quickly realized, okay, if there are 800 million search results for our keywords, let's say you're in the top 1%, however way you want to define quality, right? So the site loads fast, it's mobile friendly, the content is great, you have pretty graphics, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so does the top 1%. When there's 800 million search results, what's top 1% of 800 million? You're still in the hundreds of thousands, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
2: So how do you go from hundreds of thousands to top 10, which get majority of the traffic, right? 99% of the traffic. Well, we're like, all right, let's figure out how the search engines work. And the way Google beat other search engines, again, I can dig into this for hours, but The short story is the way Google became the number one search engine back in the late 90s, um, I was a kid. Just to reiterate on the fact that I'm not that old. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, didn't
1: mean to imply that you were. (laughs) I read about
2: it. I was not doing business at the time. But (laughs) So the way Google basically beat all the other search engines was based, uh, based on this algorithm they put together called PageRank. Which basically doesn't just look at what you have on your website; it looks at what other websites in your space are talking about you and whether or not they're they're mentioning you. And and, and the way they track it is through these hyperlinks, these backlinks. So if they're talking about you, they're most likely linking back to you. And that, in either of these uh, algorithms, is a, a vote of popularity. Because if I'm talking about Heather and I'm linking to her website, that means hey, she's someone of importance that that i'm talking to so if i'm mm-hmm. if i carry any level of authority that also gets passed on to you so they put more weight on websites that are popular i guess interesting now because isn't it because now you can't cheat the system because yes you can stuff keywords on your pay on your website you can do whatever tricks marketers use but you can't convince other authority sources to, to talk about you easily. Right. So that's what caused that quality of the search results to improve radically. That's why Google is the number one search engine. Now that's getting changed. It's going to now be in form of a chatbot. The questions are going to get answered for you quickly versus you having to sort of uh, foremost information on keywords instead of you having to dig through the sites, which is great, which also reiterates the fact, where do you, where are these answers getting curated from? from other websites <laughs> right so multiple mm-hmm. other websites are read and, and then condensed, and then google pops out the answer so it it becomes i would say imperative for you to now start getting yourself mentioned on these pages right now let's try to show up in places where other websites in our space have written content already um, to get mentioned so that process turned out to be a lot easier said than done. So I'm going to pause here really quick because I know I've been talking for a while. So let me, <laughs> let me give you a chance I was to say,
1: I don't know if someone's grandmother could, could follow this explanation, but I do One who listens to a podcast about the digital workspace is probably so with us. So no, I think you did a really good job of setting up, you know, some of the different factors that go in for the non-marketers out there, the people who don't, you know, aren't trying to get a website up the search rankings and, you know, improve their organic traffic can kind of get a hold on where we're going next, um, which I would think about, uh, I imagine is going to be a conversation about doing this at scale, right, to build enough links to increase your, you know, your authority.
2: Yeah, exactly. So what happens is marketers ruin everything. So <laughs> when yeah, we do. They found out the links are great, they were like, okay, let's go now build a bunch of websites that are just built to give links to So the the creation of private blogger networks. So let's go comment on other people's blogs or post on social media about our content and have links in there. All of those got nullified over the years. It's been around for 20 years. Um, And so the only way that is sustainably helping you actually get up in the search results, and not only just that, but now getting these chatbots, these AIs to start talking about you, actually recommend you to whoever is asking questions is by getting mentioned on authoritative publications in your space. So that, that's the whole concept of link building is, is, is basically, to me, it sounds like promotion. It's just how do you get ourselves out there? And, and and that process was done quite manually at the time for us through a variety of different strategies. And we put it together under one roof and, a, and sort of an internal software for us. It was a secret sauce. And we were like, this is amazing. So we, we put it together uh, as a standalone product. So that's kind of the backstory of the creation of Respana and how it became a link building software that helps other businesses also do and sort of achieve similar levels of success to business. So that that's kind of the the backstory there uh, for you. <laughs> I'm not sure you wanted me to dig that deep, but
1: no, it it's all good. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. You know, to me I uh, you know I work in marketing not as much on the SEO side anymore have worked with a number of agencies. So sort of I'm familiar with more of the tactics and not um, necessarily having to do them myself. But mm-hmm. um, I do, you know, on occasion receive sort of the the other side of it, right? I get reached out to from someone who wants us to put a link on our site. Um, and something I find that is is always funny, I think it's like any, you know, outreach strategy, sort of best practices, but asks that are totally missing the what's in it for you component. Mm-hmm. So I actually, I, I saw the demo right. um, of your software. I went to your site and I noticed in your sort of, um, you know, templated response, you had like a, you know, do you want an exchange? We'll give you a 30 a day free trial of our tool. We can link somewhere for you. Or how do you think about like, I guess that side of things in terms of making the outreach actually, you know, you can get to the point where you're reaching out to a, um, a company to get a link on their site as well, but mm-hmm. I feel like where it kind of falls down and this the execution of it is just totally missing. Exactly. Why the? other hundred percent.
2: They give you the time. Exactly. That that's a great point, and it actually comes up every single time I talk about link a podcast. And uh, I have a cheeky answer for you, and I'm okay. not sure whether you're gonna like it or not, but here's the answer. I'm getting a link from your website right now. What I'm doing here is a link building strategy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Totally. So. There you go. There you have an answer. So nobody spanned anyone, right? And we're both getting value from this collaboration. So I first of all, I come meet smart people like yourself, right? Building relationships with, with other uh, folks in that industry, which is awesome. So that's my number one goal. Two, we're getting free advertising to a niche audience or whoever's listening to this podcast. And three, you're, wherever you host this uh, episode, you normally are going to probably mention Respana and and... Guess what? I'm gonna link back to our website, which is great. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're also helping you put together an episode, right? A- and helping you create this piece of content for your audience. So everybody's winning in this partnership. And um, so now it's a matter of scaling this, which you don't need a thousand of these partnerships happening at the same time, which you know, a lot of people may go overwhelmed. But but what I'm trying to say is that one of the, for example, the simplest like link building strategies is, is to share your expertise and your story with other podcasters that are looking for guests to go on as a show. So one mm-hmm. of the things, for example, the Respond helps with is figuring out, okay, who in your industry has been a guest on other people's podcasts? Let's reach out to those hosts and, and show them they've done your research and actually found them and you can provide value and help them put together episode together. Now this is one out of a gazillion different number of strategies that you can uh, do and we do to make it work uh, and mm-hmm. and 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 it's just a really good example because we're, we're in the process of it right now as we speak and 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 so nobody's been taking advantage so but i get a number of emails uh supporting gets dozens of it every single day of people hi i would like to publish a guest post on your website right and and we ignore all of them. Uh, we actually have a system that blocks them <laughs> automatically, mm-hmm. even though we're in the business ourselves. And the reason why I think it's the case is because it's new. Uh, just like anything, we, uh, marketers haven't quite figured it out yet. That reminds me of sales outreach, like cold outbound outreach back mm-hmm. in, you know, early 2000, I would say 2010 ish, when uh, Google. Um, uh, started, I don't know, sure, actually that was around the time. Uh, but yeah, I think it's been around 10 years or so uh, since they um, released the uh, API that helps basically uh, automate sending in the emails. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these tools like sales off and outreach and whatnot came out. So a lot of sales people were like, this is awesome. Let me start spamming 2,000 people a day to go- come and buy our products, right?
1: Why is my response rate zero?
2: Exactly. It. And it works at the beginning, right? But when it's overdone, obviously over the course of a few weeks, I'd say, and if not months, and, and um, it it, get, it gets overplayed. And so that that's sort of where at the beginning stages of marketers figuring out, okay, maybe spamming doesn't work. Let's figure out what works and work on it. And that's why you get sales emails. I'm sure you do every day from account executives who know your dog's name. And <laughs> A little, a little just,
1: invasive sometimes, right. like dial the personalization back a few clicks.
2: There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so, so what I'm trying to say is that it, it, we're, we're figuring it out and marketers are figuring it out. And, and so that's why I think that negative connotation around link building being associated with spam, is going to go away over time because it's just simply mm. it's not working. So at some point, marketers are like, oh, maybe I'm wasting my time. Maybe I should stop spamming everybody.
1: Yeah, no, I love, I, you know, I don't know why I've never thought about podcasting more from like the, as, as part of a link building strategy, like certainly right. a brand a promotional strategy, a mm-hmm. content strategy, um, but hadn't really considered, uh, that other benefit as well. So you've opened my, my mind a bit there and it, you know, you sort of mentioned you're doing this yourself, right? I think you said you've been on like 60 podcasts recently. What, what has that experience been, been like?
2: been amazing. Uh, as I said, I mean, there's myriad of benefits to uh, uh, basically going as a podcast as a guest, uh, aside from link building. That to me sounds very shallow and simplistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, number one way is now we're connected on LinkedIn, right? We see each other's posts, we comment on it, uh, we get introduced to each other's products, um, and we help each other out, right? <laughs> so, uh, how, building that relationship with another senior marketer in my space, is of utmost importance. That to me is why I spend an hour of my time talking about it. Right. Uh while we are having this conversation, we probably have gained two or three links from other websites <laughs> that our team does regular outreach for. So but I I prioritize it uh one a week, one episode every week, uh to meet uh, folks in our industry and, you know, other other side effects that come with it. Uh side effect probably is not the right word, but you know what I mean. So
1: mm-hmm. um benefits, maybe.
2: Exactly. So that's why I continue to prioritize and spend my time on it. It, it, It's just, as I said, there's, we're shooting multiple arrows. uh, um, How do you say it? Multiple birds with one arrow. There we go. Words. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. Um, One topic I did want to pick your brand on as well, and you've referenced it a few times is just what generative AI means for this space and for the future Mm -hmm. of search. So, you know, we've seen a lot of news and hype around Bing AI, Google Bard, you know, a lot of like positive and negative um, mm-hmm. experiences with the technology. Yeah, I mean, you sort of already alluded to it, but how do you think it will change the the nature of search and, you know, the tactics that we as marketers might use?
2: You know, either I'm going to sound like a total tech bro right now. So I apologize in advance, but
1: go for it. We're talking about generative AI. So <laughs> I think it gives you yeah. license to,
2: right. to be a little bro. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that, I can't help it. I have to chime in here. Uh, but I, I think it's it's kind of like the invention of the internet, really. Uh, we're at a very beginning stages of it. Uh, the way I look at it, uh, it's, it's still at its very premature uh, sort of stages. Uh, that to me is just very, it's just indicative of what's to come. And I think the way a search is going to change, it, it's going to be completely different the next uh, couple of years than it's been over the course of the past decade. Uh, in a way that a lot of informational uh, content that a lot of companies put out, uh, you know, if I want to know, for example, uh, what are some of the um, ways to increase employee engagement? I most likely won't read as much Uh, you know, copy paste the content from a lot of companies, it curates a lot of those answers and gives me the only things that I would normally like to hunt for are most likely going to be um, tools when I'm looking for services, and I get normally directed from there to a website. It's not so much uh, blogs have always been a sort of a gateway to get people in in the door. And I think that's sort of going to uh, take a different approach where Now you're optimizing your content pieces uh, so that uh, a lot of these uh, basically generative AI search engines uh, or AI that basically is put on the search engine would pick those up Mm -hmm. and actually include them as part of the answers. Uh, What humans are going to read, like ours, things are going to get a little bit more personal. So we start following people in our industry who create content, say, probably is going to happen a lot on social media. It's going to happen a lot on Substack, right? Uh, where we know and, and trust the sources that it's coming from. And a lot of, you know, cookie cutter answer to questions is probably going to get uh, sort of um, done through the chat platform. And, and people do refer to the site if they're actually interested in what you're selling and they want to learn more. Uh, not so much to, to get answers to basic questions. So I think that's mm-hmm. step one in the whole, uh, I would say, uh, AI space and what's going to change because the barrier to creating content has dropped to the ground. So anybody can just put in a keyword and create a piece of content within a matter of a second. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what that means is that it just loses its value as a, as a marketing um, tactic or as a marketing strategy. Um, you know, back in the day when uh, when Rand Fishkin of Moz was sort of advocating for content marketing. That was sort of a new thing at the time, where you know nobody had a blog on their business site, and mm-hmm. now we've come a long way. So I think that sort of has put a new minimum on the efforts that uh, companies have to make in order to stand out.
1: Yeah, I guess that's one of my concerns with, you know, the use of generative AI, AI is just a content explosion of like, you know, I feel like if you're not really inputting some solid things into the prompt engine, you get a really generic, I mean, and a lot of like, I guess SEO content for SEO sake has already sort of been like this, but just like very generic, not like no new insights, not that useful content, potentially filling up blogs everywhere at a rapid pace. So yeah, that's, I guess. And it might work
2: short term, right? So Mm -hmm. the way that the search engines are, look right now uh it still makes a lot of sense yeah so pick a lot of you know longer tail variations of the keyword less, less in competition and just start letting ai sort of pump out content and start occupying those results but, mm-hmm. but the thing is a few months from now the the page when, when people go to search for something is going to look very different than what you see mm-hmm. now so a lot of those content pieces that you put out even though they might get rankings, it's, it still doesn't bring in any traffic because a lot of people get answers to these questions a, a lot simpler, a lot faster through the search engine. Uh, kind of think of it as like this feature snippets on steroids. Right. Uh, so a lot of those informational pieces is sort of going to go away.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested to see some of the hallucinations there, the AI inaccuracies. And I think if you're a marketer or a business owner out there and you're not already experimenting with some of these things just to see what they say about your own business and your space and are you showing up like definitely encourage folks to you know even maybe your own i haven't done it with myself yet that's a little scary but like uh play around with it and see what's accurate where you're showing up and where you're not because um it's a good thing to get ahead of before it is more widely adopted i think
2: Um, but one thing i'd like to also say in addition to that is don't look at it on GPT because right. uh, GPT is the technology. It's not a search engine. Um, it, 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 to me, it's kind of like a word predictor on steroids. It it, it knows, it comprehends uh, content and can spit out content, but a lot of information it gives is it, it's 100% accurate. And I, I don't think it, people should put any weight on it because um, it, it just simply is not designed for that. It's, it's the back-end technology. What's mm-hmm. going to be the main search engine is Bing and Google using that tech to generate a response based on whatever is already in their data set. So basically, now, er, current events, right? So you're looking for, hey, what's happening right now in Ukraine? So it will generate the response on the fly based on the latest news articles that have just been published on the topic that's in right. their index, right? So, um, so I wouldn't necessarily I, I take what ChatGPT says with a grain of salt because that that's the, the base foundation of the technology is not the search engine. And what you probably should look at is Bing uh, Chat and and Bard that's coming soon, uh, yeah. and, and sort of look there.
1: Yeah, look at get on some of those previews. I totally agree with you. I do think we're in a weird period of history where even though you know GPT 3.5 isn't connected to the internet so it's not current you you might have customers and prospects using it anyway and trying to do some of that so it might not be bad to be aware but yeah i right. i totally agree it's definitely not where it's going uh in terms of the yeah and features there's nothing you can
2: do it because the training is already ended right and the training mm-hmm. is done to not only be knowledgeable but know how to put out sentences that make sense uh, yeah but the information itself may not necessarily be accurate. So that, that's a very important distinction between um, what, what uh, OpenAI has done, which is creating a, a, a more sophisticated natural language processing uh, algorithm uh, versus a search engine, which is looking at the web and basically indexing websites and forming different opinions based on what's already out there. right? So that that that's the that's a very important distinction because even let's say ChatGPT doesn't know about your business, that training ended years ago. Totally. <laughs> you can't yeah. do anything about it. But Google, you can do something about it.
1: Absolutely agree. Um, well, it's been so fun chatting with you. Is there anything upcoming that you'd like to give a shout out or let our audience know where they can find you?
2: Sure. Well, heather, My name is Farzad Rashidi. Aren't a whole lot of us out there? So I. Stick out like a sore thumb on LinkedIn. So feel free to stop by and send me a connection request. I'd love to, love to hear from folks. And also, I've recently put out my sub stack. Finally, I put out two content pieces. i trying to get better at actually you know, forming uh, content pieces that are short and sweet, but actually educational stuff from my experience. Uh, so farzadrashidi.com is my sub stack. I haven't plugged in the podcast, uh, I think, once or twice before. So it's very new. Uh, so excuse my but yeah, that's, that's where uh, you can out more.
1: Okay, very cool. Well, congrats on launching that. It's been great uh, yes. getting to chat with you, Farzad.
2: Same here, though. thanks for having me on the show.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.